Welcome to Season 2 of the Healthcare Fraud Shield Podcast. Healthcare Fraud Shield is the leading provider of fraud, waste, and abuse detection software to healthcare payers. Our innovative suite of integrated products includes AI, prepayment, postpayment for both medical and pharmacy, case management, and a reporting tool. If you'd like more information about Healthcare Fraud Shield, please visit our website at www.hcfraudshield.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Fraud Shield podcast. This is our fourth episode of season two. My name is Karen Weintraub. I'm an executive vice president with Healthcare Fraud Shield. And today's podcast, we are going to review the basics of DRGs. I'm very excited for today's guest. Um, her name is Lisa Faulkner. And I'll just have Lisa, you just introduce yourself, tell uh, folks a little bit about yourself and, and what you do for Healthcare Fraud Shield. Hi, Karen. Uh, thanks for having me today. Again, my name is Lisa Faulkner. I am an SIU clinical investigator with Healthcare Fraud Shield. I've been with the company a little over six months and uh, find it very exciting and rewarding uh, reviewing uh, medical records uh, to determine if there's any fraudulent schemes involved. My experience uh, prior to coming to Healthcare Fraud Shield uh, includes being a registered nurse uh, since 2007. I also have had my CPC certification for about five years now. Um, I also have had direct patient care as a registered nurse, clinical improvement experience, and have done DRG audits as well as clinical validation audits. Great. Thank you. And and I really appreciate your willingness to do this today. And I'm going to give the information at the end, but we are also doing a webinar on DRGs um, in April. I know this can be seen as a complicated topic. So I think uh, what we're going to what we're going to hear from Lisa today is the ability to break it down in, in layman's terms for people like me to help me really understand what DRGs are and what are we looking at. So why don't you define for us just what is a DRG? Okay, well, a DRG, uh, basically, it's a diagnosis-related group, hence the DRG abbreviation. And DRGs really are a system that's used by facilities to classify their patients that have similar healthcare resource consumption patterns. DRG concepts were actually developed in the early 1960s by folks at Yale University, and they were actually adopted by CMS in the early 80s, around 1983. And CMS thought DRGs are a very good way to monitor utilization of hospital resources, but more importantly, while maintaining the quality of care for the patient. Excellent. So uh, those of us that work in this field, we've seen the DRG abbreviation, as, as you've pointed out, uh, but we've seen different variations of it. So why don't uh, we break down what are the different types of DRGs? Sure. Uh, first, there's a DRG called MS-DRG. That means Medicare Severity DRG. And the MS-DRGs look at the principal diagnoses, secondary di diagnoses, which are classified as major comorbid conditions, otherwise known as MCCs, and comorbid conditions, otherwise known as CCs, and also surgical procedures, 
the sex of the patient, present on admission indicators, discharge status, and also birth weights of neonates. There is an APDRG, which is defined as all patient DRG. And that classification is more representative of non-Medicare patients such as pediatric patients. And then finally, there's APR DRG, which is all patient refined DRG. And that takes the APDRG a step further and includes four severity of illness and four risk of mortality classifications that are used to further categorize patients, again, with similar healthcare resource consumption. Excellent. Um, what would you say we see most often um, when we look at private payer data? Well, it really depends on the state and the facility because each state is different, um, as well as um, facilities have certain guidelines that they must follow. Um, in my experience, I've had more exposure to MSDRGs, but I do know that a lot of facilities more recent are moving more into an APRDRG uh, realm because, again, you have those four severity of illness and four risk of mortality classifications that really allow uh, finer classification or more precise, I should say, classification of a patient's uh, healthcare resource consumption. Okay. So for today, we could probably talk about all of these for, for quite some time, but uh, for, for the purpose of, the, of today's podcast, why don't we focus on the MSDRG and how do you go about um, figuring it out? Okay, sure. Uh, the MSDRG calculation, it, it's pretty basic. The hospital payment is equal to the DRG relative weight and you multiply that times the hospital base rate, which is going to be different depending on your facility. And the DRG relative weight, that's determined by CMS. And it really depends on the intensity of medical care that's required for a given diagnosis and or procedure. Um, again, the hospital base rate, it does vary by hospital and depends on the types of services and treatments that the hospital provides. Um, what you will see today, folks typically aren't doing the mathematical calculations by hand, but they rely on groupers to eliminate the need for those manual calculations. And I'm sure we're all grateful for those groupers. And there's there's various software um, packages out there that that help with those calculations. Uh, all right. So why don't we talk about, how about a specific example um, dealing with uh, the MSDRG that you can show what the differences are? All right. So for the example, the hospital base rate, we're going to try to keep it simple and just use $10,000. The principal diagnosis, we're going to assume that the principal diagnosis is going to be sepsis, A41.9. But also there are secondary diagnoses, which include pneumonia, J17, acute respiratory failure, which is J96.00, 
And then we're going to throw in a procedure, which is mechanical ventilation greater than 96 hours. Now, assuming that all of what we just reviewed as far as diagnoses and procedures are validated by the medical record, if we put that into the grouper, we're going to come up with DRG870, which is septicemia or severe sepsis with mechanical ventilation greater than 96 hours or peripheral extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, otherwise known as ECMO. The relative weight for that DRG based on 2019 data is 6.2953. So if you take the relative weight times the reimbursement amount of $10,000, you will get $62,953. That would be the amount of your DRG. Now we're going to take it a step further. Suppose you do your medical record validation and you find out that the mechanical ventilation greater than 96 hours is not validated. So we're going to remove that from the equation and with the groupers, uh, it's very easy to just remove the code from the grouper and, and do the recalculation. The relative weight now drops to 1.8564. So if we take that relative weight, again, we multiply it by the $10,000 hospital rate, we come up with $18,000, or I'm sorry, excuse me, $18,564 for our reimbursement amount. So let's take it one step further. So now we've also determined by reviewing our medical record that respiratory failure and pneumonia, as well as the me me mechanical ventilation, are not supported. So our relative weight is going to decrease again to 1.0529. We take that amount, again, multiply it by the $10,000 hospital base rate, and we come up with a reimbursement amount of $10,529. So essentially what we've done in this example, we've started with a DRG of 870 with a reimbursement amount of $62,953. But assuming we've had medical record validation where we've been able to review, or I'm sorry, remove some of the criteria, we have been able to decrease that DRG to DRG 872 and a reimbursement amount of $10,529, which essentially is a savings of what, $52,000. Yeah, you, you said a couple of things that, that stood out um, to me as, as you were going through this example, which is excellent, by the way, really helps to break it down. Um, well, one, uh, you know, I guess everyone, depending on, on where you're employed or if you're working at a payer or if you're working as an auditor or investigator, uh, just need to probably keep in mind that uh, all the different payers may have a slightly different approach or there may be different um, things that may apply for how they go about reimbursement. So this is kind of a general guideline based on the CMS um, CMS uh, groupers I, I, or the guidelines that, that you've uh, identified. Yes, yes, it's a very okay. general example. So secondly, uh, you mentioned you had the original DRG and then after the 
medical record review. So, you know, just looking at a claim, you may not really be able to determine if it's uh, appropriate or not the way it's been way it's been coded. So what would be some of the tips that you could provide to folks like yourself, investigators or auditors or everyone calls them something different at different companies? But what would be the best things to 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 do in order to be able to determine whether it is appropriate or not? All right. Well, we'll start out with our medical records request. So that that's pretty much the very beginning of the process. After you've determined there there's a need to do the audit of the DRG, uh, because the medical records are really a necessity. So it's really important to make certain that you're requesting all of the records that you anticipate that you're going to need um, up front, and that is to include physician queries. Um, I think physician queries are part of the record that oftentimes are forgotten, but are very important because the coders, they are sending these queries in the facility, uh, attempting to get the providers to indicate if a diagnosis, if it is indeed accurate and if it's present on admission. So that can play a very important role um, in your audit uh, result. Uh, as far as diagnoses, you want to uh, make sure that you're validating the medical record uh, to, in support of all of the diagnoses codes that are impacting the DRG. So any um, secondary diagnoses in addition to the primary diagnoses, you want to make sure that you're validating all of those diagnoses that have an impact. Present on admission indicators are also a key element in DRG validation. You'll often hear them referred to as POA indicators. Uh, so again, we're going to go back to the provider queries because they play a very important role in uh, helping you to determine if a uh, diagnosis was present on admission. Uh, because a present on admission indicator can have a drastic impact on reimbursement if it's changed from Y for yes to N for no. A length of stay. When you're going through your medical record, ask yourself if the length of stay is consistent with the documentation in the medical record. Um, an example may be a diagnosis that includes septic shock, acute respiratory failure, and pneumonia, but you see a length of stay of two days with a discharge disposition to home, is it really reasonable that somebody that was that sick is going to be discharged to home in two days? Um, so diagnoses uh, that include septic shock, acute respiratory failure, and pneumonia, um, but with a length of stay of two days because someone had expired or transferred to another acute care facility, is reasonable if your medical record supports that. Admission and discharge dates. It's important to make sure that the facility is using the true admission date as the admit date in the medical record. And that is the date the patient was admitted to the facility per the provider's order versus the admission uh, observation admission date or date of presentation to the ED or date of admission post a same-day surgical procedure because the length of stay can impact the DRG uh, reimbursement amount. And finally, discharge disposition. 
You want to validate the discharge disposition by reviewing the discharge summary, discharge orders, and care management documentation. Because again, another key element to DRG validation is the discharge disposition. If it is changed from home to skilled nursing, for some DRGs, that can have an impact on the reimbursement amount. So I'm, I'm listening to you go through all these data points. So the my takeaway from this is DRG validation is um, tedious in a lot of ways. There's a lot that goes into it. You're talking about not just looking at claim data, obviously, but the medical record, but the medical record for, for this type of, of validation is um, includes a lot of different things that you need to take a look at. Um, is that is that fair? I mean, we think about this compared to other types of reviews and audits that are that are performed. That that is a very fair statement. And what I recommend to those folks listening uh, that are new to DRG audits, um, when you're when you're approaching a DRG audit, you want to break it down into smaller pieces instead of approaching the audit by just starting with the record and reading through the entire record, you wanna focus on what's impacting the DRG reimbursement amount and work your way through validating those particular elements. Um, otherwise, you know, medical records can be very large. They can be very um, large, a lot of pages, a lot of images, graphs, charts, and it can become very easy to lose track uh, and focus of what the elements are that you really need to be validating. So break it down into smaller pieces and tackle it that way. I think you would find uh, it would really help you to be able to do your audit more efficiently and effectively. Great. Thank you, Lisa. That's um, definitely very, very helpful. Uh, so we are, we're going to continue this conversation in a presentation in April. Uh, Lisa is one of the presenters. So thank you again for doing that too. <laughs> um, we, uh, to, to, to sign up for that, uh, the information we've put out in different um, forms in our various types of communication, but I'm going to read the link out loud, uh, but I'm also going to put it in the description of this podcast. You can just go to www tinyurl.com forward slash HCFS webinar. Um, so again, that's www.tinyurl.com forward slash HCFS webinar. It's on April 28th. Um, so Lisa, I can't thank you enough for sharing your insights today. And we look forward to you sharing some more in April. So thank you so much. I really appreciate My it. My pleasure, Karen. Thank you. All right. Well, everyone take care and then we will uh, put together our next podcast in a couple of weeks. So thanks for uh, listening to us. Take care, everyone.